You have a lot of water. I hope you enjoy the water that you're going to have, okay? <laughs> yes, unless you're a salmon, then no water for you. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle. Here I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, in Cottage Grove on KSO and Eugene's KEPW, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, in Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR, New Orleans' WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, in Fayetteville, Arkansas on KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, in Janesville, Wisconsin on WADR, and yes, in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM950 KTNF, just to name a few of our fine terrestrial affiliates. Meanwhile, we also stream on the internets on the uh, Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth. Five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, an all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Hot enough for you out there? I know. <laughs> uh, if you live in most of the country right now, don't answer that question. Yes, it's really hot, and it's going to stay that way for a few days at least. So please stay cool, stay hydrated, and stay safe, healthy, and uh, probably in the air condition. Yes, if at all possible, if you're in one of those areas that's getting a heat index of over 100, do please find some air conditioning and help your elderly neighbors and other vulnerable populations that you might know. Check in on your family and friends. A lot of people don't ask for help when they actually do need it. So be on the lookout. Be a good neighbor. There's Desi Doyen, always with that advice, <laughs> always with that good advice for everyone. You know what else is good advice? What? For folks on a hot, uh, hot day, uh, stay inside and listen to the radio. That's <laughs> always, always a winner on and a hot day like this. May I yes? recommend the Bradcast? Oh, they're very good. Yes, I've heard of them. Thank you very <laughs> much, Desi Doyen. Our friend uh, Amir Talai, you, some of you folks may know him. He's an actor. He's, uh, you'll see him in a lot of movies, a lot of commercials. Uh, he tipped me off to this, uh, to this story with a tweet yesterday saying, Finally, I've been saying for years that a great place to cut corners is with nuclear power reactor safety. <laughs> yes, is, as I say, this uh, he pointed me to this uh, exclusive, I would say disturbing, but frankly, what isn't lately, disturbing story yesterday from AP. Uh, it starts this way. Fewer mock commando raids to test nuclear power plants defenses against terrorist attacks. Fewer, smaller government inspections for plant safety issues. Less notice to the public and to state governors when problems arise. 
They're part of the money-saving rollback sought by the country's nuclear industry under President Donald Trump and already approved or pending approval by the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, largely with little input from the general public. The nuclear power industry says the safety culture at the U.S. nuclear industry 40 years after partial meltdown of a nuclear reactor at the Three Mile Island is, quote, exceptional and, <laughs> and merits the easing of government inspections. So to uh, to crib from a metaphor that was used by Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg back when the U.S. Supreme Court gutted the Voting Rights Act. Uh, yeah, sure. We've been uh, we haven't gotten wet at all. All of this time, thanks to these, uh, t thanks to this umbrella. So I guess we can just throw the umbrella away now entirely. Nothing to worry about. We won't get wet. Right? It'll never rain again. That seems to be the thinking here, or at least the uh, public justification for what they are doing, what they are about to do when it comes to our nuclear power plants across the country. Now, there's a lot of stuff going on today, as usual, in the news, in Congress, in uh, Trump land. But uh, there are a lot of stories that are just not getting coverage while everyone's paying attention to shiny thing Donald Trump. Uh, who who is you know we we do need to cover him we do need to follow him and we will uh, cover some of his crimes his high crimes and misdemeanors in a bit but there's a number of stories uh, about how he is hollowing out gutting the U.S. government in all sorts of ways and at what I would argue is the worst possible time this story is certainly one of them Maria Korsnick president of the industry's Nuclear Energy Institute trade group said she welcomes the change in the uh, Nuclear Regulatory Commission plant oversight procedure in order to, quote, ensure that it reflects a more robust understanding of the current performance of the U.S. nuclear fleet. What does that mean? Uh, I don't know. If we inspect them less, I guess we will understand them better. I'm not even sure what she's saying there. Opponents say the changes are bringing the administration's business-friendly, rule-cutting mission to an industry, nuclear reactors in this case, where the stakes are too high to cut corners. While many of the regulatory rollbacks happening at other agencies under the current administration may be concerning, quote, there aren't many that come with the existential risks of a nuclear reactor having a malfunction, says Jeff Fettis, an attorney for the National Resources Defense Council concerning uh, nuclear issues. Actually, there are a number of uh, existential risks uh, that, that come with uh, these cuts across a number of agencies. We'll get to them. Uh, in this segment here. But right now, this week, the uh, National Regulatory Commission, Nuclear Regulatory Commission released staff recommendations for rollbacks in safety inspections for the 90 plus U.S. nuclear power plants and for less flagging of plant problems for the public. So when there's problems at these plants, we need to be, we're telling the public too much about it. We're just getting them all hot and bothered for no good reason. Democratic lawmakers and one, thankfully, one NRC commissioner expressed concern about the safety risks and urged the commission to seek broader public comment before proceeding with these new procedures. 
The country's nuclear regulators were looking at, quote, far-reaching changes to the NRC's regulatory regime without first actively conducting robust public outreach and engagement, says New Jersey Democrat Frank Pallone. He's chair of the House Energy and Commerce Committee. Uh, He wrote this in a letter to the uh, chairwoman, Christine Svinicki, chairwoman of the NRC. Svinicki and two other NRC commissioners did not respond to AP requests for comments made through the agency's public affairs staff. A fourth commissioner, however, Jeff Barron, spoke out to say he opposed cutting inspections and reducing oversight, calling for more public input on the proposed rollbacks. Nuclear regulators post notices of meetings on proposed rollbacks on oversight of of nuclear power plants on the NRC website, but lawmakers complain there has been scant notice to the public at large about the meetings or these proposals. In general, according to attendance logs reviewed by the AP, the rollbacks are being hashed out at meetings attended almost solely by NRC staff and nuclear industry representatives. For some reason, they hear about these meetings. They show up to these meetings. I have a feeling that that is by design because I'm pretty sure that they're not going to get the kind of public engagement that they want that will approve of these terrible rollbacks. No, uh, and and in no small part because so few people are actually talking about this uh, in our media, over our airwaves, etc., AP notes that occasionally a single reporter or representative for a private group monitoring or opposing nuclear power is shown as attending in these logs. But other than that, it's just the NRC staff and the nuclear industry. U.S. nuclear power plant operators have seen their operating costs rise as the country's nuclear fleet ages. Competition from cheaper Natural gas and renewables is increasing marketplace pressure on nuclear power providers, making the financial costs of complying with the NRC regulations ever more of an issue. But, you know, the free market has spoken, right? Shut down those costly and dangerous nuclear plants and replace them with cleaner, cheaper, renewable energy. I can't for the life of me figure out what uh, so-called free marketeer Republicans, why they wouldn't be calling for exactly that, right? If it's cheaper, if it's cleaner, if it's better for everyone. If it's market forces that are making it happen, gee, why wouldn't Republicans be behind that? Right. Instead of that, they just want to make it, they want to use the uh, levers of government to make it cheaper for the private nuclear operators by inspecting them less. What could possibly go wrong? Commissioners have been moving more assertively to cut regulation requirements for the nuclear industry under the Trump administration, which has now nominated or renominated all four current members of the five-member board. So, yes, all of the current members of the Nuclear Regulatory Commission are all Trump-approved. Now, that might sound troubling, but remember, he hires only the best people. And he's a super genius. Stable. Super stable genius. So you don't have to worry about that. Uh, Even if you live near a nuclear power plant, I'm sure you feel safe and comfortable knowing that uh, Trump has all his people on board overseeing those plants, right? 
Ed Lyman, a nuclear safety expert with the Union of Concerned Scientists, a nonprofit group, pointed to a board move last fall when the NRC cut the number of scenarios tested in commission-run mock commando raids at nuclear power plants. Now, just so you know, this is when they actually literally have a surprise raid by uh, by so-called commandos to test the security around these facilities because they are huge are terrorist you sure, targets. Are, are you sure they're surprised? I am not sure they're surprised. They're supposed to be but, surprised. But they are, in, a, in other words, they are uh, an example of what would happen if they were raided. These drills right. are, are meant to test whether attackers could reach the heart of a nuclear reactor which I don't know if it's that hard because a couple of uh, years ago, remember, there was like an 80-year-old nun who was able to get inside one of these reactors. Exactly. Uh, Lyman said these security changes are jeopardizing public health and safety by restricting the NRC's ability to ensure that nuclear plants are sufficiently protected against sabotage attacks. Not that anyone would ever try such a thing, right? In January, in one of the comparatively few widely reported changes, commissioners rejected staff recommendations for making nuclear power plants harden themselves against a Fukushima-scale natural disaster. So the staff told the commissioners, yeah, we need to protect against an event like what happened in Fukushima. And the commissioner said, no, 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 we, we don't need to do that. Everything's fine. That would be too expensive. New recommendations made public this uh, past Tuesday would cut the time and scope of annual plant inspections. They would also change how the NRC flags safety issues at plants for the public and for local state officials. Greg Halnan, an official at the Ohio-based First Energy Corporation, was uh, one of those complaining at an industry trade meeting this spring about the press putting out, quote, head, putting out a, quote, a headline on the Web page to the world whenever the NRC released notices of nuclear safety issues. Understand that? He was upset that there were safety issues that were coming up and that the NRC let people know about them. Why should the public be informed of such things? What does the public know? Why should they care? We shouldn't have to notify the public due to nuclear safety issues. And so now uh, we may not be. At least not as much. Some rollbacks pushed by the industry have been rejected by the commission's staff. Others are still under consideration, including one that would further cut NRC inspections at plants and allow more self-inspections overseen by the plant operators. This week's uh, staff recommendation for rollbacks in government oversight are just the tip of the iceberg says the Lyman of the Union of Concerned Scientists, uh, the nuclear safety expert, uh, and they should be concerned. And well, you know what? It's it's I guess it's it's comforting that it's just the tip of the iceberg because, you know, that iceberg has all but melted now thanks to our climate crisis <laughs> and the extraordinary heat that's being suffered by tens of millions of Americans today and over the next several days, as we will discuss in our upcoming Green News report a little bit later with Desi Doyen. Yep. But it's also just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the complete and utter hollowing out of the U.S. government by the Trump administration. And I mean hollowing out, not just cutting back on costs, 
or decreasing regulations. I mean hollowing out. I mean, if Democrats are able to win back the White House in 2020, and that remains a very big if right now, by the way, if we don't, you know, even if we don't face yet another four years of Donald Trump and this madness, it is unclear how much of a government there will actually be for a Democratic administration to ha- to to rebuild at this point. A few more examples today. Public broadcaster KQED up in San Francisco reports this week that after rushing forward on a plan to send more water to California's Central Valley, The Trump administration has unexpectedly hit the brakes and ordered the work already done by federal scientists to be completed by a completely different team. Just days before federal biologists were set to release new rules governing the future of endangered salmon and drinking water for two-thirds of Californians, the administration replaced them replace those biologists with an almost entirely new group of lawyers, administrators, and other biologists that they handpicked to, quote, refine and improve the rules, according to an email that was obtained by KQED. Environmental group said that the Department of Interior is interfering with the science and that bringing in a new team to rewrite the scientific documents that have already been written, that that was, to their knowledge, unprecedented. Doug Obagi of the Natural Resources Defense Council again said this is an outrageous assault on California's fish and wildlife and the thousands of fishing jobs that depend on their health. Federal biologists in two wildlife agencies, that would be the uh, NOAA Fisheries, the National Oceanographic... Oceanic and Atmospheric uh, Administration. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's why we call it NOAA. Uh, and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, uh, that the biologists at both of those agencies have been analyzing the Bureau of Reclamation's water plan as required by law. They, they must ensure that it doesn't drive threatened species like endangered salmon and delta smelt to extinction. If the plan jeopardizes the future of endangered fish, these biologists are required to put limits on it, like restricting how much water can be pumped down to farms from the state's rivers. So, uh, solution to the problem? Well, get rid of the biologists and replace them with lawyers and industry hacks. America, great again. Sorry about that uh, Delta smelt and endangered salmon. And, uh, of course, you know, people here and and I for years I've been hearing uh, Sean Hannity on Fox News complaining about California. They're not giving water to the uh, not giving enough water to the farmers all because of these Delta smelt who I guess we shouldn't care about at all. Should we care about the Delta smelt? Yes, of course we should care. Why should we care? Delta smelt. Now, the Sacramento Delta is uh, around San Francisco and uh, Sacramento, of course. It is the largest estuary on the west coast of North America. And it is uh, crucial for serving the water needs of the Central Valley, which is where most of the nation's fruits and vegetables come from, Mm -hmm. the nation's salad bowl. It also serves urban areas from Sacramento to San Francisco all the way down to Los 
Los Angeles. And the Delta smelt are very important because they are considered a keystone species. When the Delta smelt are in trouble, it is a sign that the rest of the Delta is in trouble. And the so, entire food chain, the entire food chain, not yeah. just the food chain, but also the plants and the animals mm. and the health of the Delta, which actually, you know, provides clean water. It's a huge filtering system, filtration system for the drinking water that so many millions of people uh, rely upon. So why are they doing this? Why are they just days before the biologists, the federal biologists who have studied this now for months uh, before they were about to come out with their findings? Why are they suddenly getting rid of those biologists and bringing in new ones? Well, John McManus, president of the Golden, uh, Golden Gate Salmon Association, told KQED, Quote, we believe the record will ultimately show that the Trump administration simply did not like the truth. And so they're taking steps to replace their own staff who told the truth with new staff who will give them an answer that they want to hear. Right. Those biologists would have stood in the way of the Trump administration trying to take over California's allocation of water. That uh, it's to give more water mm-hmm. to the powerful, very powerful industrial agriculture industry uh, here that's uh, in, that's been taken over by corporations. It's not small mom and pop farms. So, you know, this affects the commercial fishing industry when there's less water going down the rivers to support the fish, especially the salmon that then go out to the ocean. And uh, the commercial fishermen need these salmon to be uh, alive so that they can catch them. Yeah, so well, it's one industry versus another. Yeah. and Well, Paul Souza, the regional director at the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, which refused an interview, but uh, did answer questions via email with uh, KQED. Uh, apparently, he disagrees with you. He says this is only about taking the time we need to ensure we get this right. <laughs> the decision was made to bring in a mix of additional expertise in science, law, policy, and regulation to replace the biologists, uh, to help our local representatives work through finalizing the biological opinions and to help ensure the highest quality of our respective biological opinions and underlying individual agency decisions. Because, of course, you want high-quality biological opinions given to you, you know, not by biologists, but, you know, bring in lawyers and anti-regulatory people. Duh, that's who you want on this. What do those biologists know? Last October uh, in 2018, uh, this all uh, started when Donald Trump ordered uh, the incredibly complex rules governing California's water supply to be drafted faster than ever before. He was not happy with the speed that it was going, so he signed an executive order to say we're going to get this done very, very quickly. Here was some of what he had to say when he signed this uh, executive order back in uh, October of last year. Make our communities more beautiful places to live and work and grow and make them so environmentally incredible. This will move things along at a record clip and you have a lot of water. I hope you enjoy the water that you're going to have, okay? We need it. The farmers are going to enjoy it. Great for the farmers, great for the people, great for recreation, great for everything you can think of. Uh, Anything else you can think of other than the farmers and the recreation and the people? Uh, Were there any salmon or Delta smelt at that Oval Office signing by any chance? How about the fishing industry? Were they there? Are they happy about this? 
KQED reports that uh, some see the fingerprints of Interior Secretary David Bernhardt. He is under scrutiny after a February New York Times story reported that shortly after joining the Interior Department in 2017, he directly advocated on behalf of one of his many former uh, employers. In this case, the agricultural giant Westlands Water District uh, in order to get more water for farmers at the expense of endangered fish, even though federal rules preclude him from lobbying since he worked for Westlands Water District as a lobbyist. Uh, He worked for a lot of people as lobbyists, a lot of people, uh, a lot of industries that he is now supposed to be overseeing as the head of the uh, Interior Department. Convenient, isn't it? It is for those industries anyway. Too bad he wasn't working for the salmon industry, I guess. The proposed water rules uh, govern a delicate balancing act determining how much water is pumped to cities and farmlands and how much must remain in the Sacramento-San Joaquin uh, uh, Delta ecosystem for the threatened wildlife like the endangered salmon. That's made the rules uh, a target for California's Central Valley agriculture interests because in dry years, that limits their water supply, and they are very powerful. Yes, they are, and just want to make sure that people know that here in California, the agriculture industry uses 80% of the water that is available for use in California. Well, Not cities, yeah. not people, everybody else shares that remaining 20%. Agriculture uses 80%, and they still want more. According to emails uh, obtained by KQED, NOAA fishery scientists were concerned that they didn't have the resources to analyze this plan. Independent scientific reviewers who evaluated the government's plan also said that the tight timeline, because, you know, hurry, this is going to be done very, very quickly, that that hurt their ability to thoroughly vet the plan. Several also wrote that the plan could have a devastating impact on fish species. Nonetheless, in late June, the federal scientists' analyses, known as biological opinions, they were nearly complete. They were done. They had done what they needed to do, what they were told to do on the timeline. They were told to do it by June. And then in early July, the government called for an unexpected two-month delay. I guess they didn't like the biological opinions that were offered by the biologists. So a now new, predominantly new group of 12 handpicked federal employees are taking over uh, several from outside of California, uh, which is ironic given my next story. But in any event, as part of the uh, two month extension, the new federal team will seek a new independent scientific review. Sounds like they are starting from scratch. So uh, with the Interior Department's uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife and its Bureau of Reclamation already shorthanded or being replaced by more Trump-friendly industries, I mean people, why not gut still more of the Interior Department that oversees things like federal lands on behalf of the public, which, by the way, just a reminder, the public owns those federal lands. That's what Interior is now planning to do to gut the department even more, according to uh, the Washington Post this week. The Trump administration plans to relocate most of the Bureau of Land Management's D.C. workforce to west of the Rockies, part of its broader push to shift power away from Washington, D.C., and shrink the size of the federal government. Yes, even further. 
The proposal to move roughly 300 employees from a key Interior Department agency, among uh, among them the majority of the top managers in that department. This comes as Trump officials are forcibly reassigning career officials and upending operations across the federal government. It's not just the Interior Department. For example, Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue has now finalized plans to move about 550 jobs at two of his department's key scientific agencies from the uh, from the nation's capital to greater Kansas City. Now, I'm from Missouri. I love Kansas City. It's a fine town. But moving hundreds of people from Washington, D.C., where they have been working for years for the USDA out to the middle of essentially nowhere in Kansas City when they have homes, they have family, they, they have, have mortgages, mortgages they, have they have children who go to school, they have wives and, and, and husbands who also have jobs in the Washington, D.C. area. Now everyone has to get up and move to Kansas City or they're fired. That's what's going on at the USDA, and now it looks like the Interior Department is trying to do the very same thing. Everyone, get up, leave, move to Colorado and Utah, or you're fired. Also, the White House is trying to abolish the Office of Personal Management entirely. That's the government human resources agency where one might go to, you know, complain about something like this. Right now, the uh, White House has threatened to furlough as many as 150 employees. Senator Cory Gardner of Colorado, he is up for re-election, by the way, next year. He's a Republican. He said in a statement supporting the Interior Department's, uh, or the, the BLM in this case, the BLM's uh, move. He said, that, quote, the problem with Washington is too many policymakers are far removed from the people that they are there to serve. He says 99% of the land that the BLM manages is west of the Mississippi River, and therefore, so should the BLM headquarters be. Opponents, however, argue that the abrupt decision to relocate or reassign federal workers have not been justified by sufficient analysis and that this can disrupt family lives and already have cost the government valuable expertise. BLM has about 360 employees in Washington. Many of them are supervisors with 95% of its 9,260 employees working in the field. So 95% of the BLM is already working in the field. They are not in Washington, D.C. They are in the field and not far removed from the people that they are there to serve, despite what Senator Cory Gardner has to say about it. But if those top managers at the uh, Interior Department's BLM, if they can't move to Colorado because they have lives and families and houses and husbands and wives who may have jobs themselves in D.C. and they just can't get up and pull up their roots to move halfway across the country, well, that's just too bad. They're, you know, they're employed. They'll they'll be unemployed, and and those jobs will probably not be refilled. After the agency headquarters is moved to a different part of the country, that is exactly what is also being done to those scientists at the USDA in the Ag Department. Those roles in the federal government will likely disappear along with the expertise in these cases, often scientific expertise. 
because, you know, I guess science got in the way of the profits. Exactly. And when you have uh, supervisors who might get in your way because they know more things about why it's wrong to do the kinds of things that the Interior Department and the Trump administration are trying to do, those people get in your way. So you can't just get rid fire of them. them. Get rid of them. But you can get rid of them by forcibly reassigning them yep. and forcing them to say, I'm not going to go. And they're not going to fill those jobs when yep. they move them to uh, other parts of the country. And they're not proving that there's any real need to do it. Right. And there's also been notice already posted in Grand Junction newspapers for job ads for those jobs. So they aren't really expecting any of these senior people to take those to jobs. To actually move. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Steve Ellis, a retired BLM deputy director, um, he retired in 2016 after nearly four decades in government service. Uh, he said, if I wanted to dismantle an agency, this would be in my playbook. He said that transferring so many employees out of Washington could also complicate agencies' relationship, by the way, with Capitol Hill, uh, with budget officials and other federal entities. He said that the uh, BLM had dispatched all of its wildfire and aviation staff to Boise, Idaho back in the 1990s. Uh, only to then reestablish a wildland fire office back in the districts because lawmakers had expected briefings after fires broke out in the West and there was no one to talk to. They were all out in Boise. Now, the Trump administration says this is all to, quote, better serve the American people. <laughs> of course, it, of course it will. That's why they're doing this. Um, and this is something that has been long been sought by conservatives. Trump's government has shed thousands and thousands of employees overall since taking office. However, there have been gains. Where? You want to take a guess where there have been gains? Which federal agencies? No. The Department <laughs> of Defense and the Department of Veterans Affairs. Um, otherwise, there has been an exodus of civil servants at I would a whole say bunch more a, of agencies. I would say mm -hmm. more a purge. Rather than there exodus, and exodus implies that they wanted to go. I think the purge is more true. This is uh, several agencies, labor, education, housing and urban development have all been hollowed out. Jason Briefel, a senior exec, uh, a, a head of the Senior Executive Association, which represents 6,000 top government leaders, said this isn't just a uh, this isn't just an interior issue. This is a government wide issue. And by the way, it should be noted that uh, administration officials, while they're defending the uh, Ag Department and the BLM moves as an effort to spread the federal workforce around, spread it around the country. It shouldn't all be in Washington, D.C. Uh, in fact, 85 percent of the 2.1 million federal employees already live outside the Washington area. So uh, this is uh, this is what is being done to our government. And I know we're all distracted. There's plenty to be distracted by. And those are also uh, important things. They too, are. But. Yeah. But uh, this, I think, needs more notice. We are hollowing out the U.S. government that uh, it's endangering public safety. It, it is in every way, in every way. Uh, so, yeah, you know what Trump is saying every day His his racist screeds against U.S. Congresswomen. That is important. Uh, his law breaking is certainly important. We'll talk about that, including new information today in his hush money felony conspiracy that he directed. We'll talk about that in a moment. But we need to take notice of how this administration is gutting the U.S. government. 
and in agencies uh, where we really can't afford to gut the government as climate change is beginning to ravage just about everything we know, as we will discuss more in our uh, Green News report a little bit later. But let's take a quick break. We'll come back with the latest felony crimes, which should long ago have led to the impeachment proceedings of the President of the United States. We learn more about that today. We'll get to that next on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate today. That's bradblog.com slash donate, and thanks. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Watching the detectives who seem to have been, uh, well, they too have been taken over by Donald Trump, and it seems like they've just quit. They've just quit their jobs once it got close to Donald Trump. Apparently, court records released on Thursday show Donald Trump was aware of efforts to keep a porn star and a Playboy centerfold silent in the days leading up to the 2016 election. If you didn't already know that, uh, even before the release of these court documents today, I'm not sure what planet you live on or why you have such a difficult time watching anything but Fox News on your television. Are you okay? Is your television broken? Can you not change the channel off of Fox? Despite Trump's knowledge of those efforts, of course, he had knowledge of them, uh, and the involvement of several others in his orbit, federal prosecutors in New York decided not to file any additional charges in their investigation of the illegal hush money payments made to silence both of the women who say they had sex with Donald Trump before he was president. Court records released this morning offered new details about the role that Trump played in his campaign's efforts, his frenetic efforts, as described by the Associated Press, to quash stories about the alleged affairs with porn star Stormy Daniels and Playboy model Karen McDougal. That, uh, those efforts in the days just before his 2016 election, uh, which the payments were very clearly meant to try and salvage by keeping both women quiet about their affairs with him. Prosecutors confirmed all of this in a court filing made public on Thursday that, uh, that they not only investigated Michael Cohen, uh, Donald Trump's uh, lawyer and fixer, uh, but also other people that may be, quote, may be criminally liable in the scandal. People that, quote, made false statements, gave false testimony or otherwise obstructed justice. They did not reveal the other subjects of the investigation, but they uh, confirmed with these documents that there were others who were criminally liable and may have lied, etc. The search warrants that were unredacted today, at least in part, revealed Phone records showing that Donald Trump spoke on the phone with Michael Cohen at least five times between October 8 and October 28 as Trump's campaign sought to contain the impending stories. 
The newly released documents from the investigation on Thursday offered the government's most detailed account yet of Trump's involvement, showing that he was in close touch with Michael Cohen while these payments were being arranged. The day before paying one of the women, for example, $130,000 in October of 2016, Cohen spoke twice on the phone with Trump, according to the documents, which said that less than 30 minutes later, Cohn then took steps to open a bank account to pay the women just after talking with Donald Trump. He also spoke with Trump the day after wiring the money to the woman's lawyers. According to the documents, it's not known what he said during the phone calls, but we know the call was made. For the first time, the prosecutors with the U.S. Attorney's Office in Manhattan, that's the Southern District of New York, also known as SDNY, they also revealed that they had expanded their investigation from campaign finance violations to include whether, quote, certain individuals lied to investigators or tried to obstruct the inquiry. A brief report filed by prosecutors did not identify the subjects of those investigations, but contained redactions of what appeared to be at least one name that investigation uh, has also ended, according to prosecutors. Now, why would that be? Especially with Michael Cohen now sitting in federal prison in a three-year sentence after pleading guilty, pleading guilty to this very campaign finance felony conspiracy that both he and prosecutors, uh, back when Cohen was charged, both he and the prosecutors conceded that this was a conspiracy that was, quote, directed by Donald J. Trump. And Michael Cohen, taking his direction, is now serving time in federal prison for this campaign finance felony conspiracy. Moreover, when, uh, when Cohen testified to the House Judiciary Committee several months ago in open testimony, you may recall this was just before he went to prison, he showed actual checks that were written to him by the President of the United States, Donald, uh, Donald Trump, in order to cover up to cover up these payments and to reimburse him for them, for these payments that Cohen made out of his own pocket to silence porn star Stormy Daniels just before the November 2016 election. As recently as this spring, prosecutors were still considering whether one Trump organization executive was untruthful when testifying before the grand jury, according to people who were briefed on the matter, reports the New York Times. Now, we don't know who that Trump Organization executive was that was still being looked at as early as this spring. It could have been the uh, chief financial officer, Alan Weisselberg. It could have been Don Jr. or Eric Trump. Uh, we don't know. That part apparently was redacted despite the judge's insistence previously that none of this information be redacted. So we'll see what the judge has to say uh, and if he orders further unredacting here. But the Trump Organization uh, reimbursed Cohn for the hush money that he gave to Stormy Daniels. Cohn also urged American Media Inc., which is the publisher of the National Enquirer, to buy the rights to a former Playboy model's story uh, of, of an affair that she had with Trump. That's Karen McDougal. Both deals effectively silenced those women just before the 2016 election. In a statement from his federal prison in Otisville, New York, Michael Cohen criticized the decision to end the inquiry. I bet he did. 
He said the conclusion of the investigation exonerating the Trump organization's role should be of great concern to the American people and investigated by Congress and the Department of Justice. Well, uh, clearly, the Trump Department of Justice is not going to uh, investigate this. They were the ones who quit investigating this. But Congress certainly could, and they certainly should. This is stuff, uh, forget the Robert Mueller special counsel investigation. Forget the 10 instances where Donald Trump obstructed justice as detailed by Robert Mueller. That alone is an impeachable offense. Just ask Richard Nixon or ask Bill Clinton, uh, both of whom saw articles of impeachment for obstruction of justice. But forget about that. Forget about Robert Mueller entirely. Forget about the so-called witch hunt entirely. Forget about whatever Mueller found regarding the Trump campaign's cooperation with Russia, about which Mueller is set to testify to Congress next Wednesday, by the way. If you take all of that out, forget about it, throw it all away, this campaign finance conspiracy and cover-up would be more than enough to impeach and remove any other U.S. president in history. I mean, I know it's a tired old game, but can you imagine... Could you imagine uh, if that came out, uh, you know, if it came out that Barack Obama had affairs with two women, whether they were porn stars or Playboy models or not, and then paid hundreds of thousands of dollars just before his election to keep them quiet? Do you think that Republicans would have called for articles of impeachment in that case? Of course, yes, they would. And I suspect, by the way, that uh, that Democrats would have uh, voted along with them if they did. The documents released on Thursday were uh, related to a 2018 raid on Cohen's office and home. Prosecutors initially had released the documents back in March, but pretty much every detail of the campaign finance uh, felony stuff that was all redacted from this report on Wednesday. Now that uh, federal prosecutors of the Southern District of New York have informed a federal judge in Manhattan that they were uh, ending any further investigation, the judge, uh, William Pauley, uh, ordered prosecutors to release the records without redactions. Now, uh, just a couple of the details. I know we got to get to a break here, but a couple of the details that we hadn't known before. Uh, it turns out Hope Hicks was further. Uh, she was Trump's campaign spokesperson and a, a longtime aide that she had a bigger role in this than anybody had known previously publicly. In October 2016, in the days leading up to the payments uh, to Stormy Daniels, Hope Hicks took part in a series of phone calls, text messages, and email messages with Michael Cohen, with Donald Trump, with Stormy Daniels' lawyer, and with uh, a couple of the folks from uh, from National Enquirer. Uh, the uh, FBI agent wrote in one of the documents uh, saying, based on the timing of these calls and the content of the text messages and emails, I believe that at least some of these communications concern the need to prevent Stormy Daniels from going public. The day after that, Cohen sent the $130,000 payments to the lawyers for, uh, for Stormy Daniels. Uh, Cohen spoke to Donald Trump for about five minutes, and then that evening, the lawyer, Keith Davidson, the lawyer for Stormy Daniels, texted Cohen and said, all is A-OK. Cohen said, I hope we are good. Davidson uh, responded, I assure you, we are very good. In uh, early November 
of 2016. The Wall Street Journal then reported on American media's arrangement with McDougal. Uh, she received $150,000 from the tabloid company to shut up. The next day, Cohn texted um, Hope Hicks about the story that had uh, gotten through out and out to the Wall Street Journal. Cohn uh, texted to Hicks that the story was, quote, getting little to no traction. Hicks responded, quote, keep praying. It's working. Later that day, Trump spoke with David Pecker, who runs the uh, National Enquirer, according to one of the documents. And then three days later, Trump is said to have won the election for president of the United States. Thereafter, both he and the uh, Trump organization, by the way, began writing checks to Michael Cohen to pay him back and to keep him quiet about the unlawful payments uh, that apparently both the Trump organization and Donald Trump himself uh, are now legally off the hook for, with only impeachment as the one remaining way to bring accountability to this lawless president. So again, if you are un uncomfortable for some reason with the Mueller report and the Russia business for any reason, and I am not uncomfortable with that, um, since it includes impeachable offenses that have nothing uh, to do with whatever Trump or his campaign did or did not do with in cooperation with Russia. But if you are uncomfortable with that for any reason, fine, toss it all out. Impeach this guy for the unlawful conspiracy that he, quote, directed to commit massive campaign finance violations and the cover up payments as president of the United States. The New York Times, uh, their report notes that uh, the outcome as it stands right now is a legal victory for Donald Trump, who prosecutors implicated last year in the campaign finance violations. He has uh, denied the affairs and any wrongdoing, but his aides considered the inquiry to be a greater threat than even the special counsel's investigation into Russian interference in the election. Now, why would that be? That's an answer that Democrats in Congress need to start figuring out right now for themselves. I mean, it really isn't difficult, or at least it should not be. At least if we had real leadership rising to this moment of history right now in Congress. Knock, knock. Anyone there? Quick break. And we're back with the Green News Report after this. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. <laughs> Five major corporations now control more than 80 percent of the media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100 percent independent, 100 percent listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. You can make a difference. Support independent media. Drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. A lot of information on yes. today's radio program. 
chock full of info. Lots of information. Uh, and still more information coming up in our latest Green News Report. 32 states will see heat indexes above 100. 200 million people will be feeling the heat and humidity. Yet another dangerous heat wave broils the U.S. Mmm, broiled U.S. Sounds delicious. Are we now in a pattern of continually breaking these climate records? Yeah, I hate to say that we told you so, but we told you so. America to see off-the-charts heat in coming decades. Plus, Trump administration moves to protect polluting industries from the tyranny of local control. All of those stories and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. The uh, Trump administration may go down as one of the truly great environmental uh, uh, administrations. Nobody will believe that. Because it's a lie. Hey, who knew? Senator James Inhofe is still alive. Go figure. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, I got to play Michael Mann's uh, clip again here because... I hate to say that we told you so, but we told you so. We, We predicted this decades ago. Yep, he did, they did, and I wonder how many people will be listening to him now that they will be broiling for the next several days. Yep, as we go to air, cities around the nation are implementing emergency measures to deal with yet another dangerous, potentially record-setting heat wave across most of the U.S. Who could have predicted it? We told you so. Now, of course, there is no analysis yet of this heat wave's relationship to climate change, but it does fit the pattern of global warming making heat waves increasingly more frequent, longer, and more intense. So keep that in mind for this next story. If we do little or nothing to cut our greenhouse gas emissions, most of the United States will see twice as many extreme heat days within the next 20 or 30 years, underscoring that climate change is a growing public health threat. According to a new study released this week, the number of days when the heat index, that's the feels-like combination of heat and humidity, when the heat index soars above 100 degrees Fahrenheit or higher, will double within the next 20 years. Mm. And heat waves will go from lasting days to lasting weeks. Some U.S. cities will even see off-the-charts heat days of as much as 127 degrees, which is beyond the current heat index. According to climate scientist Michael Mann, in an interview with Euronews, that's what we'll see if we don't move quickly to phase out fossil fuels. What you know, we think of as you know, unprecedented extreme record heats today The latest studies show that if we continue on this path, we continue to burn fossil fuels for decades to come, then the hottest day we've ever experienced will be a typical summer day in the future. Well, I hate to say it, but he did tell us so. He did. Now, that study also includes a tool to look up your location, along with direct actions that every community can take to cut their emissions and get ready for hotter temperatures. We'll have that link at our website, greennews.bradblog.com. And you're going to have to do something with all that time you're going to be spending indoors in the air condition because you can't even go outside. Extreme heat, of course, brings other consequences. A different new study this week finds that the amount of land burned by 
wildfires in the United States has doubled over the last 30 years because of hotter temperatures. It's even worse in California. Wildfires there burn five times more land today than they did in the 1970s, thanks to global warming. Even though we've cleaned up the forests and swept the floor and done all that stuff that Donald Trump told us to do? Yeah. Wow. According to the lead author, quote, each degree of warming causes way more fire than the previous degree of warming did. we got to do more sweeping. In other news, the Trump Environmental Protection Agency plans to introduce a major policy change to curtail the ability of local communities to appeal pollution permits granted to industries in their area. The EPA's move weakens rules that for decades have given locals a voice in determining how much pollution industrial facilities are legally allowed to release into their neighborhoods. But polluters, however, will still be allowed to continue using that appeals process to obtain permission to pollute more. So the people on the ground in the small towns, the local governments, they will have less say about all of this? Exactly. So I beg of you, I plead, next time Democrats are in charge and you hear Republicans talking about how small government is better, how the people on the ground know best, please keep in mind they don't actually mean it. And the U.S. Forest Service has also unveiled a plan to bypass a major environmental law that had required extensive environmental review before starting any new logging, road building, or mining projects in the public's forests. The new policy change includes a loophole that allows logging companies to clear-cut up to seven miles of the public's forests with no environmental review or even public notice, meaning residents won't even know it's happening until the logging trucks show up. You know, if you just cut down all the forests, you cut down on forest fires. Just saying. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Hey, it's hot outside. You're going to have to stay inside and do something. Find us, follow us, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. We told you so. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyne. And this has been your Green News Report. Hot town, summer in the city, back of my neck getting dirty and gritty. Bend down, isn't it a pity? Doesn't seem to be a shadow yeah. in the city. So, more hollowing out of the U.S. government. Indeed, and all of those regulations that protect local communities and and give them a chance to have a say. And hollowing out of our forests. Yes. Just clear-cut it. Don't have to tell anybody about it. Yep. Uh, Boy, I'll tell you what, November 2020 cannot get here fast enough. Just saying. All right, we got to get out. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen, our Uh producer. Thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other at any time, you can download them all for free at bradblog.com. You can drop me email as well if you like. Always good to hear from you. I am bradcast at bradblog.com, and I hope you will find, follow, and share what we do here every day. Uh, on the Facebooks and the Twitters at the Brad Blog. Finally, I would be remiss if I did not thank those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help us continue to do what we try to do every day over your public airwaves. And yes, there is a snail mail address there for those folks who don't wish to use PayPal or credit card, etc. bradblog.com slash donate. That is it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.